we're live. Drew Lasky is in the building, baby. What's up, baby? Mr. Thanks for having me. Mr. We do what we want. <laughs> if, if Austin Powers was around, I feel like you'd vibe with that. I feel like I would, too. He would say, groovy, baby. Two goofballs getting along. Two goofballs. First of all, we're here in Miami. We OG from 518 upstate New York. We're living in Miami. We're doing it. I want to start this off by getting a good cheers in real quick to one of my best friends of, of all time. So glad you came out here, man. Can you imagine if you never came out here? Life I know. Would have been so different. It's funny. I mean, I feel like I moved down here and then I think you moved down like two weeks later and uh, didn't even know that you were down here. I think you messaged me on Facebook, which I barely use anymore. And then I was invited to this party in Midtown and dude, you just showed up. You walked right through the door and I was like, no way. And, uh, dude, we've been really close ever since. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. It's interesting. The day one thing hits different. You know, you meet a lot of great people in life and I'm really grateful to have a lot of, you know, amazing humans in my life. But just this weekend I was hanging out at Clough for his wedding Yep. and a lot of the old shaker friends were there and it was just, it's a different energy when you've known someone for over a decade plus, you know for what sure. I mean? Yep. And it's cool for you because I kind of knew you like we, we knew of each other throughout high school, but we never really chilled. Our squads didn't really chill. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you were always motivated. You were always hungry. And to see what you've done over the past few years is unbelievable. You know, I remember you first came here and you told me that you needed to get away from the party. You needed to get away from the distractions. Yep. You needed to get away from the wildness because inside of that heart of Drew is an absolute gem of a person. But there's also a complete savage that <laughs> <laughs> that will implode if not contained. Yep. And you did it, man. You came out here. You are one of the most successful salespeople I know. Actually, probably the most successful salesperson I know, especially within our age group. And you play it off so nonchalantly. It's really amazing where you've come, man. Like, I'm so proud of you. I appreciate that, man. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, they come to Miami and they come to party. You know, people tell me I'm crazy because I was partying a lot in New York and then I just got sick of it. I woke up one day, first time ever, like feeling a little bit of like depression and anxiety. And I was just like, you know, I was in the middle of COVID and I was like, hey, like I'm not going to reach my full potential if I stay here. And at the time, Miami was one of the only places that was actually open and came down here. And yeah, you know, I'll go out to the clubs, you know, every once in a while. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't party nearly as much. I would say most of the partying that I actually do is when I'm outside of Miami, going home, visiting my friends, just traveling around. That's when most of the party actually happens. doesn't really happen that much when I'm down here. Yeah, but it's work hard, play hard. And you do a good job that when you do party, it's with, you know, you're building bonds. Yeah. And I do think that drinking a beer with someone, smoking weed with someone, <laughs> it's the best way. Unfortunately, sure, you can go hike a mountain like some of those people say, but you build a great relationship sometimes when you share a vice with somebody. Yep. For sure. And hopefully that vice is a cigar. Hopefully that vice is a cigar. <laughs> Thank you, man. And by the way, shout out for you for being one of cigars.com, if not top supporters from the beginning. I appreciate that, man. I mean, look, I told you right in the beginning, you know, met with you and Matt. I forget where we were. We were on some, um, where were we? I don't even know where it was. We're on some uh, like deck or something. 
and you were telling me about the it was it was Matt's old building in yep, Brickell at the on the top. Yeah, and you were telling me about how you wanted to have like these meetups and you know that you're creating the cigar company. How you wanted to have you know influencers in different categories. You know, stand behind the product. And dude, you're you're doing it. And exactly what you talked about is what you're doing. And I told you right from the beginning, A, I thought it was a really good idea. But B, I was like, hey, man, when you open it up to investors, I want to be the first one because I truly believe in it. And I see how passionate you are about it. And you will be. And you just brought up a great point. And first off, I love that you just nailed that story. That's exactly what happened. And it got me fired up about the idea of doing is a lot of people are stuck in a circle of thinking and thinking and thinking about thinking. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Most people are perfectionists. I know I am. I know you are. But sometimes we have to get out of our own way and just take the first step, record the first podcast, send the first email, you know, pitch your first product. And what I love about your work ethic is you're a doer. You don't just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Talk me through where that came from. Have you always been that way? Well, as far as the work ethic, it's always been there. You know, I played sports growing up. But as far as being a perfectionist, I know you just said that I'm far from a perfectionist. And when I think of a perfectionist, I think of somebody that isn't taking action. You know, they have a task to complete. They're just they keep changing everything to make it perfect, but it never is perfect. And they never actually accomplish anything and get anything done. And so for me, I think my biggest strength is I just know like half of what I need to know to feel comfortable to jump in. I jump in, I make mistake after mistake. I call it failing forward. And that's gotten me to where I am today, you know, and we still have a lot more of where, you know, we want to go. But, you know, once you feel like you know a little bit, you know, stop the analysis paralysis nonsense and just take a step forward and go make mistakes. Who cares? I love what you said about failing forward. Another way of saying it is fail fast. Yeah. You know, the best, the best companies, the best CEOs that, you know, and this is just from learning from having people on the podcast and listening to them. They're really good at building, you know, they're the conductor and mm -hmm. their team is the orchestra and they're really good at conducting exper experiments at a very fast, sometimes scale. Yep. And the faster you can learn what doesn't work, the faster you can learn what does work. Through and experience. And it's interesting because, you know, in sales, sales is one of the most amazing and depressing sports there is, mm -hmm. you know, because you make a hundred calls and maybe you get one sale. That one sale could be 50K, but those 99, it's hard sometimes to keep your chin up, you know, and stay smiling. Yep. But in that business and sales, you have to think about failing fast because every time you get a no, you're closer to a yes. What do mm -hmm. you think about that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, sales is one of those things where, Hey, it's, it's a grind and every day isn't pretty. You know, some days you'll have, you know, some weeks you'll have back to back days where you're just not getting the results that you want. But I call it the law of averages, like kind of what you just said, every single door, every single phone call, Every single no that you get is going to be closer to a yes. And when you break it down to the amount of calls or the doors that you hit, you're pretty much getting paid per door that you're hitting when you break down that big commission of all the work that it took to get that commission. Yeah. And I want to break it down for the audience and brag a little bit more about you, specifically in the field you're in. You're in uh, the medical device field. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got one word and it's lasers baby laser beams Straight laser beams everyone needs a good laser treatment from time to time yep and it's amazing because there's a lot of cool industries you know there's real estate there's retail there's software as a service there's crypto there's all sorts of different fields you can get into finance etc 
and you know we're really close and i've seen how successful you've become you're in a really profitable and uh very difficult field mm-hmm. where it's cutthroat you either make it or you don't a lot of people try a lot of people fail it's like the navy seals of sales mm-hmm. tell me about how you got involved with that yeah so i got pretty lucky to get in at like such a young age i think i was 24 years old or 25 and i did door-to-door sales for two years and what ended up happening was I ended up uh, starting my own company at 22 and then failing at 23 in Baltimore. Then I ended up moving back up to New York. What was that company? It was a door-to-door sales uh, MLM, something similar to like what you're doing with um, Vima. Vima. And we were selling like uh, phone, internet, TV, Verizon, energy. And, you know, it, it wasn't anything that I wanted to do long term. It's just that I was good at it. And like Verizon asked me to go open up an office down in Baltimore and be a business owner and and be like their vendor. And I said, you know what, let me let me try this out. Let me give it a good year. And we had ups and downs. I had, you know, a couple very, very good months where I was like, okay, this could actually turn into something. But then, you know, I think it was like month eight, you know, something happened where I started losing a lot of employees, you know, just one thing after another. And I had that like moment with myself saying, Hey, like, is this something that I want to keep doing? Is it what I've always wanted to do? And the answer was no. I always wanted to use that as a stepping stone to get into medical device sales. And the reason why I wanted to get into medical device sales was always so that I could make a lot of money and save it and invest in real estate. And so when I was failing that, that business, I think it, uh, it was like two weeks before my lease was ready to be renewed. And I told the landlord, I was like, nope, we're shutting everything down, going back up to New York. I ended up interviewing with five different medical device companies. And it's so funny, like the four out of the five were hospital-based. And one was business-to-business sales, just like what I was doing with uh, you know, the, the company with Verizon. And, uh, I meet this guy, his name is Scott Carton and dude, the guy like literally changed my life in the interview process. I could tell that, Hey, if I follow this guy and follow his footsteps, my life is going to be completely different. And you know how you could just tell when like someone's genuine and like, you, you know, they seem like very trustworthy and they actually are, you can tell by the passion that they have. And totally. I was the youngest interview or the youngest candidate interviewing. And I went full like eight mile in, uh, or B rabbit in eight mile where I was like, look, I know I have no capital experience. I know I'm the youngest. I know you have people that are probably a lot better at sales than I am, but you're not going to have anybody that's going to outwork me. You give me three months and you're not happy with my performance. Fire me, dude. I was saying things in the interview process that probably nobody else has ever said. And I think that's what made me stick out. And I ended up getting the position over people that had years of capital experience, medical device experience as well. That's amazing. And that guy saw that you were moldable Yep. and he saw a passion and you excited the inner child in him. I was like, I don't care about salaries. You know, I went, just went two years door to door sales, hundred percent commission. Don't give me a salary. And guess what? They ended up giving me the lowest salary possible which is really funny. But I love what you said there because more people need to do that. They need to offer to work for free. 
Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times, obviously, people know that they can't work for free forever. Everyone knows that. Yep. But showing passion for a business and showing someone you care is the biggest life hack to figure it out. A hundred percent. You need to take away your ego no matter where you're at in life and say, hey, look, I'm new to the game. And yep. if you switch industries, you're going to also be in that situation. You're new to the game. Every you're- time you switch industries, you're going to have to do that. You know, I see a lot of people when we're hiring right now in lasers, they're switching industries. They're used to making a certain amount of money. And I'm like, hey, man, you're going to have to start all over. I mean, you're coming into a new industry. It's a different sales process, new products. This is the major leagues. You're going to have to start lower than where you are right now. But if you fight through it and you actually get through it, because what you mentioned before, it really is like the top of the top. It's very cutthroat. There's a lot of turnover. But if you can get through that, I mean, dude, the money really is life changing for most people. Totally. And what's great about selling high ticket items is you can get high ticket commissions. Now, Mm -hmm. there's two different types of sales. You can do volume sales and make a little or you could do few sales and make a lot. Yep. And as I get older, the few sales that make a lot seem a lot better. Yep. (laughs) Well, it's even better when you have volume on those high ticket sales. Now, all of a sudden you're, you know, now we're talking big boy money. Now you're rocking around wearing a we do what we want shirt. (laughs) By the way, that American income TikTok that went under the ring was hilarious. It was amazing because, uh, I was hammered, hammered. after the hammered. Miami Heat finals game. Shout out Miami Heat. Great season. But, you know, I was just you know walking the streets. I was at Moxie's. Me and my boy were just ripping shots of tequila after the game. We already had like five or six doubles at the game. And uh, this guy's like, hey, I interview people about their income. Do you want to? You want me to interview you? And I was like, sure. Like, I didn't know who that guy was. Yeah, and that's it. Like you would have said yes to a lot of things. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> and uh, I mean, hey, you know, it was a funny video. It was um, really funny. I'm not embarrassed by it. You shouldn't at be. All. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I was like, hey, like, this is actually like really funny. So people in the comments like, no way this guy makes that much money. I'm like stuttering. Just like you could just tell I was like literally blackout. But your answers were really coherent. It was inspirational. Yeah. If you say so. There it is. If you ever, <laughs> Hopefully you never find yourself in... Uh, what is the, I don't know why I'm not thinking about it, the Alcohol Anonymous. But if you did, you would lead that group, man. Hi, I'm Drew. Hi, I'm Drew. Hi, Drew. Hi, Drew. <laughs> I can't drink with you, and, and neither can I with Chris. Uh, shout out, Chris. I just can't handle it the way you can. You can rip shots just like we were 19 still and, and survive. Yeah, but, you know, you, you see where it gets me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, if, if anywhere close to where you're at, I would drink that all day. And it's interesting, too, because it's like you, you've made this plan. You said, hey, I want to make a lot of money so I can get into real estate. But you actually got into real estate pretty young. Yeah, I bought my first property back in 2019 at the end. And it's funny. I saved up all my money. I was living super below my means. And I was like, you know what? This is the time where I need to just jump in. You know, I read a lot of books. You know, I was thinking about the whole analysis paralysis thing. And I was like, I got to go. This is the time where I just, I do it. You know, if it, if it doesn't work out, then I'll recover. I have the whole rest of my life, you know, to do that. And it's funny because the first house I bought was $100,000 and I put $25,000 down. And at the time, that was literally everything that I had in my account. So we're closing on the property. My hand is literally shaking, as you know. You know, you've bought a couple of properties yourself. There's like 200 documents that you're signing and it's just signature after signature, just 
handshaking, sweating, and you know what? Everything turned out okay. All the numbers lined up, and I haven't really had too many problems. So it's like one of those investments where you do the math, you're the one that's in control of your investment. You know, you look at stocks, you look at crypto. Real estate is the only one where you really do have full control. You can accept full responsibility and you can get a higher return than somebody else. You know, you might be bidding up uh, on a property against somebody else and, you know, the property manager that you decide to hire to put in there versus the other guy is going to have two separate outcomes. Not only that, but then you get the tenants in there. The tenants that your property managers choose also dictate the outcome, which dictates the overall return. So, there's a lot of variables, but they're also predictable variables where you get to decide how that investment is. That's why I love real estate. Same. And I love the sweat equity component, mm -hmm. right? You put your money in the S&P 500 or in a safe Vanguard fund. And don't get me wrong. I think that's really smart to diversify. Mm -hmm. But to be able to just go and look up a YouTube video on how to do flooring and then make new floors in your house and paint it and fix it up and just get in there and get sweat equity. I think it's so good for the soul. Yep. You've uh, you've done that with both of your places. You always, every time I'm here, you're fixing something up. You're making something look nicer, and uh, you're doing well in real estate too, man. Well, I got my. I learned from you. I remember <laughs> I asked you. I was like, Yo, Joe, you think this is a good idea? You're like, Yup. Like it. as long as you stay here for five years, you cannot lose. You can't lose. Real estate's the game where it always it always goes up. Yeah, there's 2008. You know, people were speculating, literally buying houses that they weren't even living in or renting out. Um, mostly they're just buying them, keeping them empty. Hey, this investment's going to go up and yeah, it went up for a couple of years and then boom, the rug got pulled out. You know, as long as you're investing for cash flow and you're doing this long term, which is what the wealth game is, you can't lose. Yeah. And building wealth is exciting, right? It's because very it's very easy to make a fat salary, but if you don't check yourself really quickly, you can lose it. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful that I had the experience in Vima. Because I made a pretty good amount of money in college and I lost it all. I spent it all. I didn't have any concept of savings. <laughs> you know, I was driving a three, 335 2013 Beamer in 2013 around UNH campus. And it was a lot Baller. of fun. It was a lot of fun. But I ended up losing it all and, and I learned so much about money from that. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if you don't take chances, if you don't put yourself out there, you have to sometimes lose before you make change. And the best example is your health. Yep. Like you need to really have shit hit the fan before you change your diet, before you stop drinking. It's just how we're wired as people. If things aren't hard, we tend to not change. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like the the last two years I've been trying to take my health more seriously. You know, I've been getting back into the gym, you know, four or five days a week. And uh, I just notice how I feel. It's just much better because I got, I got away for, uh, from it for a couple, uh, couple of years. So... When I got back in, I feel great. Totally. And it's uh, the gym's exciting because if you can go to the gym, people also look at you differently. And it's mm -hmm. not just about the physique thing. Business people look at you differently. Yep. If you're in shape, it's just that you instantly get a credit in front of the other guy. Because it just shows in the most simple form that you're you have discipline. Yeah. You know? 100%. It's a huge life hack. Yep. Same with starting a podcast. Huge life hack. <laughs> you know, there's like these different things where I think about that almost everyone should do. They should get things that push them out to learn new things and do things that push them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. You should always be uncomfortable. You know, that's one of the things that I've tried to do. Yeah. At least one thing on a daily basis where, hey, 
you know, this feels a little weird, but the second time you do it, the third time you do it, you get more and more comfortable with it. Then you become good at it. Then you become great at it. And if it's something in, in business, it's, if it's a business skill, you can monetize it. Yeah. And let's talk about what's sitting there on your chest right now, let's because you're it. in phase three of your master plan. I am. And phase three is investing in real estate on a big scale. So yep. talk to me through what we do, what we want means to you. Yeah. So in one word, it's freedom. And when it comes to freedom, financial freedom, you know, you got to be financially literate and schools don't teach it. Nobody really talks about it. You know, growing up, you know, our parents are like, hey, you know, you probably you know, don't talk about money to your friends or ask their parents how much money they make. And so I envision where I want my life to be. And the vision is so clear. And I want to bring the people that want to do big things along with me. And there's really two things that I know that have made the most millionaires and it's real estate and it's life insurance. And if we can combine both of them and you're making money in both sectors, I mean, dude, you can't not be wealthy long-term. And so we're buying buildings right now. We're about to start a debt fund. We're getting everybody that I know involved. And it's just, I'm excited because there's going to be, you know, so much opportunity out there, especially in Q1 of 2024. You know, we're seeing the commercial side of real estate with the uh, interest rates, uh, you know, skyrocketing, and a lot of people that had floating debt that weren't really, you know, predicting that that was going to happen. So there's going to be opportunity, and there's going to be opportunity for everybody to get involved, whether you know real estate or not. You can invest with us. You can get a consistent return. You know, if the stock market crashes like it did back in 2008 and you're in your 50s or 60s and you're looking to retire, you're not going to be able to do that. And so we're creating a debt fund that allows you to get a consistent return backed by real estate without the volatility of, real, um, of the stock market and your money's safe. That's like the most important part. You know, this... Um, this plan that we have for the debt fund, it's not gonna make you super rich. It's just gonna make sure that your future is better. Interesting. So basically, a lot of times people can place their money in a couple of safe places. They can yeah. put it in a CD, they can put it in a savings account. Sometimes savings account offer as much as like 3.75% if you're in the right one, upwards of four and a half. If mm -hmm. you're in a certain group chat with my boys, Chris and Drew, uh, you can put it in the stock market, which sees a rate of return of 7%, which is like a really solid bet, especially, you know, when you retire and to be able to, you know, the rule of thumb that you can take out 4% of your income um, off of your retirement nest egg and mm -hmm. still live comfortably. But what you're offering is an even, an even higher return. And my, under, and my understanding is that because you're really good and your team that you work with is really good at sourcing great opportunities, number one, and understanding the numbers behind them. So mm -hmm. given enough equity and capital brought in by all these different investors, it's a win-win for the firm and it's a win-win for the investors. It's a win-win for everybody. So when it comes to the investors, imagine having the return of the stock market, but the safety of a CD. That is exactly what we are doing. If you have your money in 401k or IRA and you are 50, you know, 50 years or older, the moment we open this up and I reach out to you, there's no reason why you shouldn't be investing in this. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> look at that. 
Take my money, brother. Let's go. Let's go. Drew. Let's get it. We do what we want. We do what we want, baby. I love your uh, in your house. You got those two beautiful posters that say "We do what we want" on them. Yep. What company do you use for that? Uh, Canvas World. Canvas I think World is what it is. I think everyone needs to build their own brand. A hundred percent. You know, for me, I love "Damn Good Day, Baby." It's a damn good day to do what we want. There it is. And for you to see. You know what it is. Now that you've had this shirt on, gives you a different level of swag and confidence because you know what? You're pimping you. You're yep. pimping your, your values. Um, my friend Laza mentioned to me recently that everyone has to build their own philosophy in life, mm-hmm. which is another reason why I love podcasting because it challenges me to step out of my comfort zone. It makes me think about things differently and it, it forces you to just open your mind to new stuff. Yep. And you got to be nimble. You got to be talking to new people. You got to be on the edge, but you develop your philosophy in life. And that's all we really have, you know, because as you get older, you get your circle gets smaller. The amount of people you hang out with gets smaller because you're just naturally you're older. You don't you don't change is a little bit different. But I think that building that philosophy is so key. And it's interesting that you've taken your own philosophy of we do what we want. And on the back end, it's one of the most genuine phrases. Mm hmm. So what I love about it is it's like you just said, it's, it's controversial. People that have no idea what it is, look at it and be like, wow, this guy is arrogant until this thing fully launches in 2024 and people see what it really is. I mean, Hey, look, you're either going to come along with us or you got tickets front row seat to enjoy the show. Front row seats. And I've only went to my first NBA games. Thanks to you. Hey, man, we're going to go to a lot more. Yeah, the Miami Heat. You had like the second row tickets. It was crazy. <laughs> Those are so fun when you're that close. Oh, it's amazing. It's a different experience. It totally is. Because you're in everyone's stuff. Yep. You're so close that everything, it's the people watching is, you know, 90% of it for me. Yep. Not just obviously the basketball, but I'm not a huge basketball fan. I'm a bandwagon fan. So when the Heat were killing it, I was all up on that, you know? I mean, it was crazy the run that they had at the end of the year in the playoffs that was and crazy it was sick that like you know got to experience that you know two rows up behind the visitors bench on tv yeah. we do what we want on yeah. tv like it's pretty cool and i'm excited you know for next year's uh season and being able to share that experience with you and, and other people it's interesting that uh what i like about your energy is you're just a big kid that's that's true you know you're you said something once that you've coined that you're the most responsible irresponsible person you'll ever meet 100 percent. i mean my friends ask me they say i don't know how you do what you do they're like i wake up the next morning i can't even function you're you're flying on planes you're going back to miami you're traveling here you're doing business deals you know, I'm up till two, three in the morning, hanging out with everybody, just being a complete degenerate. And I humbly think about, you know, if I can just slow down on that end and just focus on my health and not do that as much, how far can we really like take this thing? And we talked about earlier, but a big part of you know me moving from New York to to Miami had a lot to do with that. But there's those moments where, hey, you know, we're at a party or something and, you know, we're, we're out late. But, dude, I got responsibilities. Right. And so, yeah, I always say I'm the most responsible, irresponsible person. So you got to do it, though. You're you're only young once. Yep. And 
in European countries, the philosophy is you, you know, work to live versus living to work in the United States. Right. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I got that right. Um, you explore drinking is fun. I, I always say the damn good day philosophy. It's funny, right? You know, me and sky will, we just cook the most healthy meal ever, you know, straight meat, straight ground beef, onions, mushrooms. Like we eat healthy, but now I'll drink some whiskey, you know, drinking some whiskey. So on it's, all Wednesday, about, baby. it's all about just making sure that you have balance. Yep. You know, life can't be perfect. So yep. I love the whoop, right? Cause the whoop tells me, you know, what my sleep score was, what my recovery score is. And it's crazy how accurate it is. I think everyone, everyone needs to get a whoop. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that if I get that, what it would show. I remember that one time, I think yours was on like 1%. Listen, we're not going to talk about that, but there was a certain trip. <laughs> I think if I had that, it would be negative and uh, I'd have to, I would have to take it off because it would just freak me out. Probably tells me my heartbeat and I'm just, I don't know. It's too healthy for me right now. You're going to get one. I'm going to make sure you get one. You got to. It's just dope. You got to. If you really, really, really feel shitty, you can just take it off that night. Just stare at yourself. In but the it's soul. also it's also good to kind of force you and hold yourself accountable to actually like be healthier, get the right amount of sleep, and you know live a better, healthier lifestyle. Well, the lifestyle. thing is, is that you're built like a bear. You have a bear physique, and uh, when you shred that up, you're going to be straight Arnold physique. I'm trying. And when people aren't built like you, and or like have the crazy irish like uh ketones deep in your body that just move you forward they they can't function like you said it's you have to change but when you when you can by all means have fun like life's about having fun just making sure that you can you can be be smart with it but i want to divert real quick i want to talk more about what you've learned within the real estate field because i know real estate is really where your heart is and mm -hmm. let me not let me take that back you crush it in sales and you're still very serious about all those things, but you're also very open and honest on your Instagram about all these different principles in real estate. Tell me more about one of the aspects of real estate that fascinates you the most. I think the thing that fascinates me the most about real estate is the fact that it is one of the very few industries where everybody around you can legitimately win. What do I mean by that? You buy a property, you buy it on market, the seller gets you know what they want for it. They want to sell. You want to buy. You get the price you want. The agent gets paid. You know you come in. You do renovations. The contractor gets paid. You know you you get a, a tenant in here, whatever the case may be. You know and you give them you know uh, good quality living. You know a good space to live in. The title company gets paid. Like everybody gets paid. And you know it's there's really not many industries that are are truly like that. So. When it comes to we do what we want, you know, it's all about bringing people together and everybody winning together because I believe wholeheartedly in abundance. There's a lot of people with that scarcity mindset, which really sets them back. I don't believe in that at all. I truly believe that everybody can win. And that's like the number one thing that I love about real estate is that it's one of the only industries where everybody can legitimately win. If you had to play devil's advocate on that, where do you think most people screw up with real estate for the few that may, you know, find themselves in a, in a sitch? Uh, I think when people try to make like a quick buck in real estate, real estate is a long term game. If you're investing now, look, there's many different ways to make money in real estate. You can do the fix and flip. You can do the wholesale. But those are the areas where you can actually get hurt. 
I mean, if you're if you're gonna do buy and hold, the chances of you like messing it up, I mean, you really gotta mess it up, right? You gotta miscalculate the numbers. You gotta you know get the wrong tenant in there, not you know not go through the proper screening process, or you know when you're trying to actually get them out, maybe you do something illegal, and now they're stuck there because of what you did. Like you really, really gotta mess it up. And if you're looking for long term, which technically what an investment is, you you can't you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's interesting. You almost have to self sabotage to screw it up. Yeah. Again, th- that investment is all on you. But also you, knowing the numbers. Yep. And dude, it's not like the numbers are anything crazy. You know, I was a two point something GPA in college and it's really simple. You know, you calculate the income and you you calculate the expenses. And when people calculate expenses, when it comes to real estate, they just think, okay, the expenses are going to be your mortgage. It's going to be your insurance. It's going to be your taxes. And they say, okay, you know, the income is $400 more. Well, guess what? You missed out on property management. You missed out on trash, snow, removal, lawn care, you know, you miss out on maintenance, capital expenditures, all these hidden, you know, expenses that you should have used to calculate, you know, the uh, return on investment. And now you're negative. And people also they forget to calculate closing costs. So they try to they try to fix the numbers in their favor. They get emotional. Like, you know, sometimes I I see real estate investors where they just want to get that first deal and they're going to switch the numbers around and do like best case scenario to really, really make it work. And if you don't have all the numbers down properly, then, I mean, you you could end up with an asset that is negative producing cash flow. Mm, So, yeah. And and the big thing that you hear about everywhere, right, is that interest rates are above 7%. And that mm-hmm. becomes very tough to purchase a home when you're experiencing that type of, of level. It's like there's a crazy stat where back when interest rates were like 3% versus 7, you yep. know, you can afford the same house for 300K that you can only afford for 600K or something like that at this point. When you look at that disparity between interest rates, I didn't get those numbers exactly right. So don't quote me on that. But the idea is that when you're paying such a higher interest rate, you can afford less house. So what are your thoughts, though, for people right now that are sitting there saying, I'm just going to wait till interest rates come down before they make their first purchase? Well, if you wait for interest rates to come down, here's what's going to happen. Prices are going to go up and everybody else is going to jump in the market and they're going to outbid you. You know, I just bought my place this year. uh, It's my first time buying a place for myself to live in. And I bought it with a six and a half percent interest rate. And the, you know, the moment that rates go down, guess what? The value of my property is going to go up and then I'm just going to increase my HELOC and tap into that, into that equity. You can't do that if you're just waiting for interest rates to, to go down. So there's a saying, you know, buy real estate and wait, don't wait to buy. So, I mean, if I'm looking to, you know, if I'm going to be a first time homeowner and I'm, and I got money saved up, I would buy right now because right now the inventory is still, you know, um, very limited and there's not, there's definitely not going to be a crash coming anytime soon. You know, I was predicting that last year that that was going to happen and I was wrong. Well, Miami was one of the few markets that grew when a lot of stuff just kept going up and up and up and up. You know, there, you saw some markets where it started to settle down a little bit 
and the market softened. Here in Miami, it, it really didn't. And again, we have limited inventory right now. Interest rates are high. If interest rates come down and the inventory is still the way it is, there's going to be nothing to buy. Right. And what about the thought process behind refinance, right? Because that's the other idea is that you buy high and you maybe go two years paying a super high interest rate. But two years later, interest rates drop to 4%, which, you know, if that ever happened, I would be looking at that same principle for my Mm -hmm. own home. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's a saying where you marry the property, you date the rate. So you get in the property, you know, the one that you want. And (laughs) you get, you get, look, you get into the property that you want. That's, you know, that's what you're going to have for, you know, 30 plus years or whenever you decide to sell, the rate is just temporary and you're able now you got me laughing, (laughs) but no, for real, like the, the interest rate, it's a temporary thing. You re you refinance later on. So, I mean, and I also know a strategy where you can literally like cut the rate in half. Let's talk about that. Let's strategy. talk about it, baby. So, you know, I posted something about, I don't know, what was it, two months ago? Hey, just opened up my MSA, which stands for a master sweep account. You won't find it anywhere on the internet. This is like what the high, high elites do. I was lucky enough at one of my real estate meetups or a group that I'm in where they actually introduced me to like the secret group and uh they taught me all about this and my mind was literally blown you're using like the government's or the bank's money which is essentially the government's money and you're pretty much cutting the the interest rate down by the velocity of money you're you're opening up an equity line of credit on your property and you're just moving money around so what happens is you have a heloc and your heloc when you draw money and for people that don't know what's a HELOC, that's a home equity line of credit. So you're just taking, um, equity, a pretty much a, like a credit card, a line of equity on the remaining portion of your house, you know, between what you owe and whatever the bank will, will loan up to. That. Yeah. And when you, when you look about like how interest rates work, homes or mortgages, all of the interest is front loaded. The first seven years. And by the way, why do you think that is? Because they want to make their money back and people flip too fast. Well, because most people upgrade their home five to seven years. So the bank, which again, they, they run the world. They're, you know, more financially smart than anybody else. So they're like, why don't we just make a product where we get all of our money, you go and you upgrade your home and now you're doing it all over again. And going back to the refi thing, you know, if you refi, even when the rates go down uh, low and you do another like 30 years, I mean, you're still going to pay, you know, more interest because, you know, they, they want you, the bank wins no matter what. Yeah. And with the sweep account, you're using the bank's money against them without them really even knowing. So going back to what I was saying before with the home equity line of credit, how the interest is paid is significantly different than the amortization schedule on the mortgage. So you're pretty much just taking, let's say, hypothetical, I'm taking $50,000 from the line of credit, and now I'm applying that to the principal of the the mortgage. Now what happens when you make a regular payment? 
the interest to principal dramatically uh, shifts. Oh, so you so, can pay more into so principal. So now you're starting to pay more principal versus interest. And people are going to say, okay, well, what about the equity line of credit? You got to pay that back. Yeah, you do. But you're using it now as your bank account, as your checking account versus your checking account that's earning like, you know, 0% interest. So now you're just moving money, right? And so I'll use my example earlier. I have a 6.5% mortgage, right? So if I can dramatically decrease that six and a half and I'm, and I'm uh, bringing down the debt that I owe on that property and I'm using the bank's money, when you're paying down debt, you're not paying taxes on the money or the interest that you're saving. But if I put money in a CD or I put money in um, you know, a savings account, let's say get 5%, you still got to pay taxes on that. So I'm actually at a position right now where I got my property for a lower price than I would if, if rates were lower. And I know how to use the banking system against the bank to dramatically shorten my my mortgage. Then in about, let's say, I think I calculated it for my personal situation, it's nine or 10 years. Then I can refi after I've paid it all off. And guess what happens when you refi and you take out a loan? It's tax-free. So now let's say, you know, hypothetical again, a million dollar property. You know, you're when you refi out, you do 80% loan to value, cash out refi. I'm taking $800,000 out of the property tax-free. Then I go and I do the same exact strategy with the master sweep account. And then in year 20, I pull out, again, this is saying that the property didn't even appreciate. It's still a million dollars. Right. I pull that money out again. Now I got what, $1.6 million tax-free. So what happens is in year 30, let's say your neighbor, they bought the, the house, same style house for the same amount, valued at the same. Year 30, you both have your mortgages paid off. All their equity is in the property. You now have $1.6 million in cash tax-free and your property's paid off too. And now once you take that money, you start adding the velocity of money, doing different strategies that we'll talk about on another time. Dude, this shit gets real. Your wealth building becomes insane. And here's the best part about this. This isn't investing. This is just using the financial system against, against them. Yeah. Anybody can do this. Is there any this. way that you can get um, that, uh, that it cannot work? Is there any like huge obvious chasms there? So in order to get the, the line of credit, you have to qualify for it. So that's the biggest thing is, is getting the line of credit. So you got to have, you got to have a job. You obviously got to have some equity uh, in the property and, that's just that's pretty much it. You just have to be able to to qualify for that. And once you do, instead of using your line of credit to, I don't know, go buy a car or do some, you know, I see people all the time. They do like improvements to their home that doesn't actually increase the value. They never thought about it. Oh, I just want this, or maybe they just go and they buy luxury things with that increased equity. We're again, we're using that as a financial tool. We're we're tapping into the equity in our property. So crazy. Because, it's crazy because a lot of what you're talking about is levels four, five, six to 10, mm -hmm. right? But the most people only know levels one and two, yep. you know, the most concept of, Hey, the interest rates are this, this is what you're going to pay over a 30 year schedule. And then boom, boom, boom. And then maybe some people know a little bit more and they can 
do a like refinance of their house to get that new line of credit and do that. But what you're doing is you're learning just levels to this. And it's interesting because what you just talked about is something everyone can learn, but why don't most people do it? Cause and they I, don't know about it. They don't know about it. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. Money is not taught because it's not talked about, you know, in my industry with the, with the uh, medical device, with aesthetics, you know, there was a time where, Patients were uncomfortable talking about sex to their providers until we came out with technology that completely changed that. And until there's a change in the school system and the upbringing, upbringing of kids, we're not going to see that change and people are still going to be financially illiterate, which is really why I want to build this brand. And because if you're not financially literate, you can't do what, what we're going to do. Right. And the goal is to bring everybody along. Well, do you do you uh, limit it to accredited investors? Uh, well, for the debt fund, it is going to be uh, only accredited uh, investors, simply because we're marketing it. Right. And so now, when you're doing a fund, you got the SEC involved. There's a lot of laws, a lot, of, uh, a lot of regulations. I definitely don't want to break those and, and go to jail. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's certain laws that we gotta abide by, and uh, you do have to be accredited. And just so your audience knows, an accredited investor, because again, this isn't taught in school. You know, if you're single, you got to make two hundred thousand uh, dollars a year for the last two years, and or if you're if you're married, I think it's three hundred thousand combined, or a million dollars in net worth, excluding your primary residence. So if you are either or, you will then be able to invest in the fund. But uh, it's important. You should. Everybody should strive to be an accredited investor, because it opens you up to opportunities that, you know, it should be basic investments. Something that I was, as I watch you, that makes me think about is when you first started this. I remember I had asked you about that same strategy, and you were fumbling a lot over explaining it because you were still kind of figuring it out. And to see how you just went straight, boom, 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 and just laid it out so easily to understand there. It's interesting because you've been teaching these skills on your Instagram. You've been teaching mm -hmm. these skills through We Do What We Want. And what happens is, is when you learn something and then you teach it, you actually retain the knowledge on a whole nother level. 100%. So anyone that's out there in their individual field, if you're a chiropractor, start teaching what you know on film. Because what's going to happen is you're going to learn it better. If you're a farmer, teach what you know and you're going to learn it better. Get involved in the conversation. You're going to learn it better. Leverage social media. Don't leverage it for the wrong, leverage it for the right, which is the connective aspect, mm -hmm. not the scroll around and just get dopamine aspect. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. So social media, look, we both create content. For me, it's a little bit newer. And look, it is definitely awkward at times. But again, it goes back to what I was saying before. When you want to grow, you got to do things that are uncomfortable. And me holding up a camera, you know, saying things. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable, but I've realized in order to get where I want to go, which I am 1000% going to get there, I have to be able to leverage social media. So, you know, there's two ways to use it, right? You can be, uh, what you were saying before, you could scroll through and just consume content, 
or you can be a creator and absorb connect, uh, connections, be able to monetize it, use it for business. It's the same thing when it goes to, are you going to be somebody that just watches TV or are you going to read Make books? TV. Yeah. <laughs> or are you going to read books? You know, are you going to be a renter or are you going to be the landlord? You know, are you going to be a consumer? Or are you going to be an investor? And so when it comes to social media, I think, I think everybody should create content for their business. If you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, I mean, even salesperson, it doesn't matter. You should build a personal brand. And really, like the way to do that is through social media. And I look at the lives of the people that have what I want, not in like an envious way or jealousy way or anything like that. But I want something very similar to what they have. Guess how they how they got it. Guess how they became who they are. They leveraged their talents on social media, became known, and they were able to get where they wanted to go. And so, you know, when you're first starting out, are your videos going to be great? No, you know, I still don't think mine are, but I do it anyway. You know, your videos are great. Thank you. And um, <laughs> find friends that'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I forgot what I was saying. No, you're crushing it. You're talking about just the reality that uh, you need to uh, leverage the power of social media. Yeah. Oh, well, what I was going to say is like when you're first starting out, you know, look, you're going to mess up. You know, it's not going to be perfect. You know, the people that don't want you to not, not I don't want to say they don't want you to succeed, but they're they're comfortable and they see that you're trying to be more and get something more out of your life. They're the ones that are going to be like the crabs in the bucket trying to pull you down saying, hey, don't do that. Why are you doing that? You know, and the people that are above you, you know, looking down at you are saying, hey, that's exactly where I started. Keep going. And that's what you just what you have to do. I love that. And it takes years. Yeah, it takes years. And it sucks. It Consistency, sucks that it takes dedication. Years. You know, it's like. You know, it only takes, I guess, one video. I haven't had one yet, but one video to go viral. But it's all about the consistency, the discipline. And if you do stay uh, disciplined and, and consistent and you don't quit, that's how you get that one viral video or whatever. It could be a different aspect of your business, that one client, you know, that one connection. Like I mentioned before, I, I met this guy during an interview process and said, hey, forget about all the other interviews. I'm going with this guy. You know, it takes one other person to really change the trajectory of, of your life. Totally. And and I have this theory that we as people change so much every three years. It's almost like um, Laza said on the last thing. It's almost like we're all snakes and we're like shedding our skin and yep. introducing someone new. So when you first start putting out content, you're going to look like a jabroni at first. And you're going to get that, in, that ensuite of negativity from potentially your past because you're basically walking into a new you and people don't like seeing you try something new because like you said it makes them feel insecure and it's going to be a it's going to be a nightmare for you in the beginning it's mm -hmm. just the truth but what happens is after year 1 after year 2 by year 3 everyone that's your new identity yep it's funny because there's people that don't even know me or I've met one time and do they're liking every video they're commenting they don't even know me you know, and sometimes it's the people that have known you for like such a long time for whatever reason, just don't like your stuff, don't support you. And it's just kind of crazy how that how that is until it becomes more like familiar to them that, hey, you know, two, three years have passed and this is who this person is now. They're no longer trying to be 
somebody that they're not they actually are who they are expressing who they are totally and then you get to the point where if you don't post you get anxiety yeah it's like the gym when you're really into the gym if you don't go to the gym like you feel weird i mean me and sky we always talk about it it's like you wake up you just go to the gym and sometimes you don't even work out hard but if you don't go to the gym you just feel like a piece of shit you know yep. like, i didn't go to the gym yep. and if you're not putting out a new podcast if you're not putting out new content you feel like shit because mm-hmm. you're not putting yourself out there and i get nervous uh not nervous is the wrong word i get scared of just the whole idea of not living up to my potential dude the biggest thing that i fear is being average that is the number one thing i mean literally everybody everybody should feel that way where like look you have one life to live if you're not trying to do something big you're not trying to have an impact in the world trying to make the world a better place then like what are you what are you doing you know i hate when i go home to the 518 and I'll never forget this. Like three years ago, we're at the Saratoga racetrack and I'm like, Hey man, what's up? I haven't seen you in so long talking about somebody. And he's like, Oh man, I'm doing well. You know, I'm just, just, just coasting. And like, just something about that just like irked me. And I was like coasting like, bro, we're not coasting. We're climbing. George Hurst says the only way to coast is downhill. downhill. It's downhill, baby. That, well, it's interesting. to continue what you're saying. No, I was going to say like, that ain't me and I don't want those people like around me. I want people that are going to hold me accountable and like take this journey, you know, with me. I love what you said there because like when you say I don't want to be average, it's definitely a statement that could be received as being like a megala douche, like oh, I don't want to be average. But I think what's interesting to deconstruct that a little bit is that when you think about our school system, when you follow the school system by the T, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, they tell you what your job is, and then you mm-hmm. work that job for 30 years. Like, that was the old way of thinking. And I know for me, I wasn't passionate about 90% of the things I learned in school, not 99% of the things. I loved the human and social interaction of school. I mm-hmm. loved that. Yep. But I just did, never cared about physics, chemistry, math, or any of that shit. Like, I just did what I had to do to get by. Agree. So I think a lot of times people just don't take the philosophy that you keep learning after school. Most people die at, at 22 years old. You know, because it's like college. if you're naturally curious and, you know, Joe Rogan, the goat always talks about like he wishes he could live 10 different lives because there's 10 different like lives of things that he wants to explore. Like if you actually love something and you're curious, you don't stop because you're so freaking curious. Yep. And if you haven't found that curiosity, it's because you're not trying to find that curiosity. You got to find yourself, which is another reason why I even started this podcast. Because I wanted to interview all of the most successful people in every field of that my ADD brain thinks is awesome yep. to hopefully one day find what I'm passionate about. And oh, by the way, I'm going to build my brand on, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really interesting thing. It's almost like the school system indoctrinates people to think that coast lifestyle. And you really need to step out of it. You need to find something that you can watch YouTube videos all freaking night because mm-hmm. you're so fired up about learning. Yep. Well, look, when you're younger... Right. They ask you a question and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you listen to all the kids and they say, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a professor. What they should be asking is, what do you want your life to look like? Because that's more of like a detailed, clear picture of what your life is ultimately going to be. I feel like. When I'm like at my best, I have this vision board at home. I have all the things that I see in my future that I, I want to get. 
And I set these really, really high goals. And dude, I, I can't even remember the last time that I actually hit one. And it's going to be sound a little weird, but my goals are like so big. And there's times where like I barely, I, I'll like barely miss it. But I'm just reminding myself that, hey, it's a stretch goal and I'm, I want to go out and I want to live to my full potential. So going back to what you were saying before about the whole average thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being average. But, dude, we were meant for so much more than that. Totally. Yeah. There's so much fun things in life, man. I think now, though, like I, I don't. I think how you treat people and what you put into the universe is going to depend on how big that blowback is. Yep. And this is a great example. When Vima shut down, so Vima, the network marketing company, was one of the most controversial things in college. You know, you're either in it or you friggin' hated it. Yeah. You know? So when Vima shut down, naturally a lot of people got a lot of shit, you know? Oh, like, because most people want to see people fail, especially yep. if someone's flaunting a three series beam or running around like that's a douchey move. Mm -hmm. When it shut down, I didn't have a single person ever hit me up and say, like, I told you so, like, glad it's like no negativity. And I like that's to awesome. think that's because I never was a douche to people. I was yep. never like trying to screw anyone over. I was genuinely fired up mm -hmm. about the opportunity. And to this day, everyone that was in that company still says it was like the largest business fraternity anyone ever joined. And it was the school of hard knocks and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And oh, by the way, they ended up winning the court case, but at the expense of bankrupting the company. But anyways, like that whole concept just got me excited because you're a genuine dude. This is why I've, I've always vibed with you is that you're just a good guy. And like Sky, he's a good guy. Mike mm -hmm. Parzak, good guy. Matt Dodge, good guy. Like people that are good guys are easy to hang out with. And yep. they're genuine. And you and you have to be genuine to find genuine. And I think that's a big secret to your success is that you're ambitious, but you're extremely genuine. And when you combine those two things, you create lifelong partners in business and life and all of that. Yep. Well, I think... The biggest thing that I kind of think about myself is that, dude, I'm just authentic. I am who I am. You know, there's people that might not like me for no reason. Like, okay, that's cool. But I'm the type of person, like, let's go back to high school for a second. So there's lots of clicks in high school, right? Whether it's in a movie or, or actually like how it actually was. Dude, I was that guy that got along with everybody. I hate when people don't like somebody for no reason uh, you've met those people before and it's such a big turnoff when you can't just walk into a room and have a good conversation with somebody and just be like respectful whether you like like them or not i feel like i've always i've always known like who i could have as my friend and who i choose not to have as my friend but i'm always going to be genuine always going to be respectful the only time I would ever get disrespectful of somebody is if you just you know disrespect me first. And so I think that's just a, a good quality to have where like if you're just positive on life, like dude, just walk around happy, good energy, like what could go wrong? I can't think of a more damn good day philosophy than that right there. <laughs> so Drew, I know we could talk for hours, but if you could go back in time and you could have talked to 16 year old Drew mm -hmm. and you could have told him, you know, something that could have saved you a ton of time, money, heartache, headache, anything. Like, what do you think that current you would talk to the 16 year old you and tell him? I would say 
probably going back to what we talked about earlier, probably partying less and just, I would, I would still go to college. So I know we talked about how college and school itself, you know, it's probably not the right direction for a lot of people these days. If I were to go back, I would still do it, but I would be more business focused in a way where I wish I would actually read books. You know, you've been to my place. I have a like kind of like a little massive like library now. All those Lots of leather bound books. <laughs> all those books that I read have been after college. I didn't read a single book in college. So I wish that I actually absorbed meaningful knowledge before I was 22, 23 years old. Because that's when I really started to grow. When I first graduated school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was very scared. You know, my parents wanted me to get into like a corporate job. I had some other relatives that were like, hey, I got, you know, a state job for you working for the government. I wanted nothing to do with that. I wanted to get in the sales, wanted to make money. And I started reading a lot, not just about sales, but business, money, entrepreneurship, marketing, just all, you know, self-improvement stuff. Because at, at the end of the day, you know, you can't make more money or grow if you're not improving yourself right so you that'll be your limitation is is your is your self-improvement drew lasky how can everyone follow you and follow the we do what we want journey so you can follow me on instagram you can follow me on tiktok at, at drew underscore lasky and uh you can follow the we do what we want it's um, the Instagram as of right now is uh, underscore underscore WD WWW underscore underscore. So very confusing right now trying to uh, get the what do you call it? The, not the domains, but the uh, URL. No, oh, no, the handles, the handles trying to get the handles from other people that are inactive. So that's what it is right now. The website is being built right now and that will fully launch in 2024. And I'm super excited to see where this journey takes us. It's a pleasure, my friend. As always, life's a gift and you're a present. Appreciate you, man. Thanks Cheers, for coming brother. on the show. Let's do it again soon. Thank you for having me.